For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. Night is a talk show with published authors, writers, and content creators discussing both the creative and technical sides of writing, as well as the industry surrounding it from novels to screenplays to comics and more. And now, here's your host, author Travis I. Sivart. Welcome to Write Night. We'll get to the topic and discussion in just a moment. For those listening to the podcast, we record the podcast on our live stream at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk, and we have a live interactive chat audience. You might hear the sound of the bell ding, and that means I want to interrupt somebody to read a comment or question. For those on the live stream, we won't read off everything you put in chat, but we'll try to get to the most relevant, the most amusing, or some combination of the both. Now, while we introduce ourselves, go ahead and let us know what you're reading, writing, or creating tonight. And I'm Travis Sivart, and uh, tonight's topic is going to be world building, and I've been world building since I was six, and I'll get a little bit into that in a few minutes. A couple of books where I've built worlds, um, really every new series I've written, from Silver and Smith to Portals to The Downfall to Journal of a Stranger, and so on. Now let's go to introduce the two... A plethora of world building knowledge between these two gentlemen, between books and role playing games and comics and just so many other things. Let's start with you, Robert Turk. Introduce yourself, throw some street cred down, pass it over to John when you're done. Hey, folks, I am Robert Turk, author and game designer. Um, I have published four role playing games, a couple card games, uh, over six books. Some of them even won awards. Uh, you can find my stuff at wicked-clever.com. And I'm John Millington. I'm uh, with Jersey's Cards and Comics, a gaming store here in Virginia. Uh, I'm also the CEO for Conquest Publishing. We do comics, role-playing games. Uh, you can visit us at conquestuniverse.com. And our new site will be rpggaming.org. Very good. Now, like I said, I've been world building since I was six and got my st- first Star Wars action figure for my birthday in 1977. 76? When did Star Wars come out? I've, I'm embarrassed. 77, right? Yeah. 77. Yeah. Um, and I started world building then. And then when I hit my 13th birthday, I was given Dungeons and & Dragons. And I began building a brand new world. And since then, with the different books and projects, I just love building worlds. And for me, it's something I feel it's easy. It's, it, it flows naturally for me most of the time. But apparently, <coughs> not so for everybody. This can be very challenging or just so daunting that nobody has any idea where to start. And we're going to go to that topic of where to start in just a few minutes and we'll probably have different views on where to start and that's okay this is something you're going to see on right night we all do things in different ways 
and it has to be clear, that's okay. That's allowed. John, do you want to start with your world-building background? Well, um, obviously, uh, my world-building started with comic books. Mm -hmm. So you have a wide diversity of worlds and stuff that you're going to uh, write within. Typically, it's Earth. Um, then later on, role-playing games and stuff became pretty prevalent. And uh, I think all of us have probably had their own home campaign and stuff that they've been running for quite some right. time. Um, now, as a publisher, I mean, we've come up with, you know, a couple guidelines and stuff on world building and where is that going to lead into for eventually publishing so we kind of have a, a plan of action associated with it but the, the key thing overall for world building is where do you want to start your audience at and focus on that we'll get into Nobody that in about how many horses are in that town that they're never going to see <laughs> we'll we'll get in. Hold on, John. Let Robert give his world building background. Then we'll all have a chance to throw out our that exact information. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, and for those of you that are listening audibly and can't see my gestures, I am cheering for John and screaming yes without screaming it into my mic. You can go to make that auditory also, you <laughs> yeah. know, within reason. Um, so world building for me, um, I was a very imaginative child um i can remember creating not not trying to trump travis here i can remember creating imaginary worlds before i was going to school um, i don't know what age that was um but when i was little you know my dream job was being a muppet mm. okay so and i actually kind of ended up achieving that kind of yeah goblin and puppeteer most recently but so i've always been creating imaginary worlds whether that was just to explore whether that was to escape something i don't know but but i find it this holiday season we all wish for hope and healing children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps in giggles high fives and hugs for 150 years children's national hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season visit childrensnational.org holiday that's childrensnational.org holiday at Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Fun. I, I'm fascinated by the imagination and by, by coming up with ideas, what-if ideas that, that aren't our reality. Um, telling a good story so that's that's where i come at world building yeah i mean you know i've i mean i write role-playing games now for a living so i've created worlds for role-playing games i've created worlds for my short stories and novels um i've created you know like Dungeons and dragons worlds for playing with my friends but um for me it all comes back to uh embracing your childhood imagination and, and asking the question what if so there you go. Back back to you, Travis, I guess. Well, we Although could Star we Wars could go to awesome. me or We can go John. Yeah, we John, you started out with here's how you feel you should start world building. 
So you're not worried about horses and all their names and who has a chipped hoof. Go on. Now, um, and we all discussed our backgrounds and stuff mm -hmm. when we started particular things. You have to think that I was already in college before D&D kind of got its start. So right. prior to that, I mean, you immerse yourselves in, in reading a lot. I mean, and that's what I can always tell people, read, always read. And that's going to help spark particular ideas and stuff for, your, true. for your world. But as for world building, um, you know, you have to like whatever the thing is that you're doing. I mean, if, if you enjoy fantasy, why are you designing a science fiction role-playing game? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense uh, to me. You're going to have a better uh, craft with stuff that you like, stuff that you can get involved with. Um, as a publicist, though, we have to kind of take more of a formulatic uh, look at things as... Like at the end of this, this is what we want to produce. So, like we want to make four books for our first role playing game for, for merger. We want to have the base book and the, the the magic, the science, and the noir books separate that people can get, engage with. Mm -hmm. But that's part of planning things out. But as for world building, um, you you start off with your basic. Uh, are you planning it off your novel or um, what, what's, what's the background or what's the genre of the story, I guess, is the key thing to start with. Okay. And what are you going to allow people to have in the system? <laughs> and Robert? Um, I, I think, from my process, I'm out to tell a good story. Um, and I, I want, whether it's, whether it's people playing my games, whether it's people reading my books, I want people to be entertained. Um, and like John said, um, I, I do a lot of subconscious world building. Like I know there's authors out there that will sit down and plan out their world, um, and, and draw maps, which it's awesome fun. It is. Drawing map. But for me, it's what's the story I want to tell tell and then tell that story and if that story takes place in a school of witchcraft and wizardry please don't sue us um <laughs> then then you have to know how the magic works and you have to know who the students are and you have to know what the school's like do you have to know everything about that world no not to start writing a good story and i guarantee she didn't know everything about that world when she started writing that first book Right. That came as she was writing books. So I think that's that's my biggest thing for like I get frustrated sometimes when people tell me, oh, I'm still world building or I'm thinking about the world. Awesome. Think about that. But world building only goes so far. It's a tool to to give if you're making a role playing game to give the people playing your game the information they need to know to, to exist in the book. If you're writing a book, world building is only there so that you can tell the story you want to tell. If you're doing a movie, world building's there so that you have consistency across your story visually on the screen. Um, you don't have to you don't have to be God and and detail the history of everything. 
let me rephrase that. You don't have to be Tolkien and detail <laughs> the history of everything unless that's what you're into, unless that's what you want to do. Unless that's but your story. That's not and Right. But that's not necessarily the craft of writing a good story. And if I can jump in here, <clears throat> my base philosophy is your world is what your characters are experiencing. Whether that's a movie, a book, a role-playing game, whether you're writing your own or playing one that's already created. If your characters are trapped in one room and haven't left it yet, that's the whole world until they leave that room. Then it's that building that they're exploring or that street or that city or those woods or that cave. Now, you can create outside of that, but you don't have to except right. to create the consistency. If you know they're going to start out in this room and later they're going to a cave system and they're, it's a fantasy world and there will be magic, you need to create that sort of stuff, at least the most basic part of it, <coughs> to have that consistency. So you don't have those flaws of shit that just doesn't fit together. Um, yeah. And Kitty has a few comments. You know, most of my world building happens in my head. A lot of my world building happens as I'm creating the narrative. And that's what I'm saying. I have seen so many writers spend so much time world building, they never even create their first character. <laughs> Let alone the story and the events that the character is dealing with and interacting with. And this is where I'll often look at a new writer who's like, I'm world building. I'm like, when are you going to write? I realize you're writing about your world, but when are you going to write your story? And that world will grow organically as your characters experience it. And also, if you have your world planned out too much without even realizing it, you're going to skip over important information that your reader or players or whatever need to get as they grow as a viewer and experience your world yeah um because okay, i had a thought here so role-playing games that are not based on existing properties like star wars role-playing game great role-playing game world building's done for them although a lot of the star wars stuff came out of the first star wars role-playing game which then went into novels, which then went onto the screen because right. they were working with George Lucas and, and closely. For clarification, you can absolutely create your own Star Wars world, but you still have that framework already in place. But you can create your brand yeah. new planet with even minor differences in laws of physics. But some of the best role-playing worlds that I can think of still start with their story. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite medieval fantasy worlds is the world of Midnight which was essentially, what if Sauron had won the War of the Ring? Now, for copyright reasons, they never mention Hobbits or the War of the Ring or anything, but it's essentially the Dark Lord's taken over. But it starts with that story of the world, okay? And then you get into details of, like, if you're going to go to this place, well, this is how they think and how they live. But it all starts with the story. Um, shoot, there was another one, and I've forgotten it. But, but the point is that that story, even when you're making a role-playing game, it doesn't have to be a, a, a novel. Even when you're making a role-playing game and you need world-building for your new role-playing game so people can get inside that world with you to play it. Um, but you still got to start with that story so that it, it, it it's true. draws the people in. If you look at all the D&D &D expansions, and I, John, did you just raise your hand? Yeah. Give me a second. I'll pass it right over to you in a moment here. If you look at all the D&D expansions throughout history, you know, with uh, Greyhawk and then Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance 
and Eberron and all these others that I, I can't, it's too numerous to mention. The story is a difference. The setting, which is part of the story, and a few comments here. Uh, Werdewin says to me, the world is a character. Like the other characters, I give it enough for the characters to interact and do interesting things. And all these differences, Ravenloft is another one. And Kitty says, too much world building could unnecessarily hamper the narrative. John, what were you going to say? So, um, in, in fact, what Robert was speaking of, ease of engagement into your game is so important. You should look at when you're writing or writing your role-playing games, this is the prologue for your, for your novel. Mm -hmm. your, your players have to kind of have a good sense of what it is. Mm -hmm. And then it's the discovery of that world as they play in it or explore and find new things to do in it. That's, that's the engagement that you want. But you want an ease of engagement to get them involved and start. Now, just for everybody who's listening or watching, John also works on comic books, so he can speak to world building in that also, which is done with art as much as narrative. So don't don't hesitate to bring that in also, John, because it's across the board. And for writers and authors, that might be that one picture you have, your cover art. That can help your world building, the name of your world can help give a feel or an element, a theme, a atmosphere to your world. Um, Ravenloft definitely gives a different feel from Eberron or Forgotten Realms. They all have very different. Greyhawk gives you more, you feel like, I don't know, castles and knights, whereas Forgotten Realms, there's a little more mystery and mysticism in it. Dragonlance, well, y dragons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And big lances. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, and, and, and in modern times, or nowadays, I mean, we're fortunate that we can make movie trailers. And you know, mm. here's an introduction to our game. You know, this is the cinematographic version of, hey, this is what merger's going to be, you know. Related to that, Wordwin comments, so the new Godzilla vs. Kong movie, the opening credits is an example of some great world building. When I watched this, which, by the way, also Godzilla, Godzilla, King of Monsters, King Kong, every one of them has the same type of montage credits with the redacted government documents with things blacked out and pictures yeah. from the past 50 years or more of different things. And it's if you stand there and stare at them, it, it's, it's a fascinating exploration where you can't wait to get that on DVD or Blu-ray so you could pause it and go, I just want to read the seven words they didn't black out and see what we got there. Yeah. And yep. kudos to whoever put that together because it's beautiful. Um, so I, I was... Uh, uh, the most recent book that I wrote, mm -hmm. um, uh, Prisniki Jones and the Pirates of Undertow, uh, which has a very unique world to it, um, because Prisniki Jones' little brother gets sucked down the bathtub drain and she has to go rescue him. And it's like, where, where is he? What is that world down in the sewers? And it's bum, not... Bum, I mean, it's, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> right. It's a little bit scary, but it's, it's a middle grade book, so it's for ages like 8 to 13, so it can't be a horrible poop-filled world. I mean, I guess it could be, but it's not. <laughs> um, but when I was writing that book, I, I, I 
sort of developed the world as the character went through it and right. explored it. Because she didn't know what it was like down there going through. So I I didn't spend like months before writing that thinking about well what does this city look like? What does this corridor look like? What is what do the boats look like? It was as I'm writing the story what okay they they're riding on a boat most of this. I need to know what that boat looks like. Turns out the boat changes a couple of times on purpose, but I need <laughs> to know how are they illuminating things down here? How do they see underground and she gets to this port and what makes this town special why do the people live here instead of further downstream so that was the world building that happened but like somebody else said it happens during the narrative Mm -hmm. Um, one of my most favorite books right now is the expanse series Mm -hmm. which has been turned into a tv show and the world building in that is great they are definitely building a new world for you but I think just I think it developed as yes. as they're writing because yeah. they don't have to know how this works until book three. Now it's important the story's gone there. Let's figure out how that works, but make sure it's consistent with everything that's come before. Um, One and, and in your role playing game design, if you hard set stuff, it's hard for the person that's picking it up to be creative and move on with your with you, your story. I didn't care for the Wheel of Time series because you always felt like you were a cog in some wheel. You couldn't really change anything. By the way, same thing for novels. If you hard write every description, it leaves no room for the imagination of the reader. And one of the books I'm reading right now via audiobook is Terry Pratchett going postal on his Discworld series. Now, I've read a few of the Discworld books, just a few, two or three years ago, 20, 30 years ago. So I'm kind of reintroduced to this world. And in this, he doesn't mention, he mentions in passing like the world is flat. He he doesn't mention the elephants. He doesn't mention everything under the world. He doesn't mention all these other things because it's not necessary to this story. He mentions the post office. Even when describing the post office, it's not in incredible detail. It's general enough that you get the feel of it and you fill the rest in the peripheral with this kind of blurry vision of this is what i picture it like when the character rides a horse to a new town for just a couple hours turns around and comes back that new town the biggest description is the bathtub the guy is in (laughs) yep you you know he he runs into one building he doesn't even describe besides a horse trough outside not a lot of description, and it's not needed. So don't Tolkien overbalanced in a lot of people's opinions with the description. When you're having a seven-day journey, you don't need seven days of description of the hills and the grass. You can, and some people love it because they're they're, you know, that's how their brain works. And Wordwin says, "Going Postal" is one of their favorites. Also, a great movie, isn't it? A series on Amazon Prime? It's like one of those mini-series. It was like two or three episodes to make the whole movie. Good enough. I'm looking forward to watching it because I've watched The Watch. And it's a delight. That's the series. Delight to see the characters in the books, on the screen, branching over. It's fun. Um, But I don't want to go into that right now. I want to stick to what we're talking about here. But my point is, here's this super 
successful writer with minimal description. Even describing the characters. Besides the main character, most of the other characters get a vague once-over so you can fill in the blanks yourself. Yeah. Well, and Terry Pratchett, I mean, he built a world Mm -hmm. over... It's more than 20 books. And then changed it. Uh, The world does change in the books, actually. Um, Yeah, but, but you know, I mean... He's got the elements. He introduces them like a book at a time, like the Wizard Academy. When the wizards are important, you got the Wizard Academy. Um, when you've got, I don't remember all the neighborhoods, but like the post office, and then branching out into the other towns, like right. the, the the Gothic vampire town. Um, it's been a while since I read them all, but um, yeah. So he doesn't sit down and throw it all at you. I mentioned to Travis just last night. I'm not a big fan of steampunk literature and what it actually is is i'm not a big fan of the tendency of steampunk authors to try and explain every damn thing to you right um because it takes me out of the story um so and there's some good steampunk out there that doesn't do that they just tell you a story but i've seen so many that's like we have to explain how electricity works and how this works and how this works and we're three chapters in and we haven't gotten to a story yet because you're building the world and and that's not why I pick up a book. That's not why I write a book. Um, it's it's to tell the story. If I can read Kitty's comment here, another issue with too much detail is getting the details wrong. Any re- real world thing, even in a fantasy world, there are going to be people who know a lot more than I, the writer. And and that's a fair way of putting it. This is why when you research as a writer, whether it's whatever medium you're you're exploring you give enough to know so your reader knows they know something about it but they don't have to micromanage that yeah absolutely john do you have some thoughts oh yeah well um give them enough that that they enjoy being engaged and they think that that's a legitimate thing in your world i think on other shows, we talked about the rabbit hole of research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't really need to develop, you know, a, a quantum cannon or whatever. You can just say that there's a quantum cannon and move on. From it. But if you had one to three details about it, not three pages, then it says, oh, this person knows something about it. But it leaves it vague enough. People who know more go... I recognize these points, and I can work with this. I'm not pulled out of the story because I know more than them. And somebody who is new to it isn't lost in minutia and detail. They don't give a damn about. Michael Crichton's really good at this, where he gives you, here's this science, but you don't get lost in it or overwhelmed by it. He's just like, here's enough that you feel like you know what you're reading about. And then move on. And to that point, I mean, like, you know, talking about my sports career and stuff, you know, they don't care that I know technically how to do a three-point stance and all that other type of stuff. They care about how sweaty and muddy and all the other things True. are going on. Not that. Yeah. But you can yeah. mention the three-point stance and they can research it if they want, or somebody who knows what it means, it says something and fills in extra details for them. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not to – so I think – I think we might be giving the impression that world building is not important. Oh, it is, yeah. It's very important. 
Um, I think what we're saying is focusing on just world building to the exclusion of everything else is a bad move. World building, yeah, world building is important. You do as an author need to know what the world is that your characters are experiencing and you need to do your best to make it consistent. Like if I've given said a character always wears blue socks and four chapters later they're in green socks either I forgot my own world or there's a reason they're in green socks and you need to give that to your audience so world building is important to the point of you got to create a cool world you got to create a believable world that your characters live in and you've got to remember the details that you set down. I think one of our commenters said, you give too many details, and then you get people like the comic book fans and the Star Trek fans that say, oh, but wait a second, in episode 12, they did mm. that, and that's not consistent with what you're doing today. You don't want to dig that hole, but you do want to create an interesting world. Those are articles I see once in a while. You know, Star Trek Discovery broke this one canon rule. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't even want to read the article, really, because I don't okay. care. I've watched what they're talking about, and I'm curious what they mean. And every time I read the article, I'm like, eh, who cares? It's a new part of the world. Let's move on. Quit crying. Um, <coughs> it's not like they suddenly said. Well, to, yeah. to, to that point, comic books specifically, um, well. People complain that the movie wasn't like the comic. Well, which version of the comic since they reinvented it 40 times prior to Right. It. And did you like what the director did in the movie? Right. Minus whatever else out there. Did you enjoy the movie? <laughs> um, so on those lines, um, I, I don't know who here is. Well, obviously, we're all old enough to have gone and seen the Lord of the Rings movies mm -hmm. in the theater. I made the horrible mistake of reading, mm -hmm. rereading the second book, and I finished it the night before we went to watch the second movie. Yeah. Um, and I did not like the movie because the book was fresh in my head, and I was noticing how they deviated or cut things out from the story that I thought should be there. Upon rewatching it, I think it's a great movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly there. Looking at did they tell a good story? Was the story internally consistent? Did you enjoy the ride? If you go into things without those expectations, right. you're going to have a better experience. Here's something I've started doing, Robert. I started decades ago. I realized this same problem. If I read a book and go see a movie, because I used to do that, I'm like, nope, here's what I'll do. For now on, I'm going to watch the movie and then read the book or reread the book afterwards because then it fills in extra things. Instead of feeling like you're shorted, you feel like you're getting more out of the deal because the book expands on things. Movies never can. Right. You know, internalization, description, etc. And, yeah, some people complain, well, then I have the actor in my head as that character when I'm reading the book. Well, yeah, there's pros and cons on both sides here. You know? Right. And, and, and we're all pretty fortunate that we're not writing like Star Wars trilogies for our world building mm. stuff. Um, we're, we're particularly lucky in that we have a comic book associated with the role playing game and so you can see some of the hopefully the consistency and stuff will stay there. 
Right. But yeah, when you have especially different medias with the same world or product, there's going to be somebody that picks it apart and complains about it because that's the joy. They find joy in complaining, and that's what they do. And, Um, And that's the thing. Why are you listening to the people that are looking to not like your product to start with? Mm. I mean, that's just, I mean, write a good story, as Robert said, and you, know, you move on. So, um, uh, along these lines uh, on world building, um, the role playing game that I'm working on right now, Gablonia, is based, or was originally based, in the world of Ganner Sinchagala, a character I played at festivals, had a stage show, would tell stories eventually went on to write two books of his stories um over early and early in the past year when we got back to playtesting this um i had some players that had read the books knew the character loved him and i had some that had never read the books and had no idea who this character was and and i made a point of saying this is not the ganesh sinchagavan role-playing game ganesh sinchagavan is not in the story of this game he will never show up he's not a character in this game but I did have one player who I, who I really, really liked. He's, he's a super fan of mine. Um, and he, at certain points, brought up, well, but this is different than the book. And this is, the role-playing game is not following the same rules as the book. And it bugged me at first. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. We've got to change that in the game to match the book. And then I, I switched it. And I said, you know what? Gandersnitch the Goblin is an unreliable character telling his version of there events. There you go. You don't have to assume that he told the truth, and I don't want people to have to have read the books to play this game. So the world in the game is the consistent world. The stories that one of the characters told, those were stories that character told. And your games, you play at your own table, don't have to be those stories. They don't even have to be the same kind of stories. How many they times... Just- have we read a book and it has, whether it's the protagonist and the antagonist point of view or two of the main protagonist views, and they're they're walking side by side, but they kind of go over the same scene or continue the scene in the other person's point of view, and it's a totally different perception of the same situation because you yeah. internalize with that character's journey or experience or perception – and it's all about them. And they see the world differently than the other characters. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's real. You know, if we all talk about our experience tonight recording this podcast, we're each walking away with different things that the others might have not even registered or cared about. Yeah. And for for us and for, for Conquest in, in particular, the comics and stuff are enhancements for the role-playing game, not the Bible for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one perception, one experience of it, not the whole world. And, of course, if you're doing good character development, they're going to have their own twisted point of view that's unique to them, different from everybody else, as it should be, as we all do in everyday world. I feel like Robert's it, writing cue cards right now. It, and, and I would definitely always love for... Go do it people that play the game or get engaged with it to engage with our website and stuff and tell us about their gaming experience and stuff with it. This is my homebrew. This is what we're doing in your world. Um, that's just something, you know, down the road I'd love to, to see happen. I agree. <clears throat> so, 
We've got about 10 minutes left here. We've kind of gone over our whole thought process of how you begin world building and how you expand world building. But let's try to, I don't know, summarize it. Again, that concept of somebody walks up to you and goes, I want to create a world. You know, whether they have characters or not, how do they start? And my advice always is start where the characters are, build outward. If you know they're going somewhere else, having a little bit designed or set up so when they move into it, you're not moving in blind. But on the other hand, sometimes it's so fun to move in blind and then clean it up in the edit to create that consistency and smooth out those rough edges. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robert, what about you? Um, so I actually get this a lot at conventions um, as an author and game designer there talking to people and wanting to be nice. I'll get a lot of people that will start to tell me about their world mm -hmm. or their campaign. Um, and I'll let them go on for a minute or two, uh, especially if there's nobody else around, and then I'll stop them. And I'll, and I'll say, that's great. That's awesome that you know that. Now tell me a story. I don't want to know about your world. I don't want to know about your campaign. I don't want to know why, or I don't want to know that elves are only three feet tall. I want to know why elves are only three feet tall. And I want to know the story of what happened with that three foot tall elf. Right. I don't want to know your world building. I want to know your interesting story. And that's what your readers are going to want. That's what your players are going to want. They're not going to care about all the details of your world. They're going to want to read a story. Chunk? So with us, I mean, uh, typically they'll come up and they'll say, I, I, I have this vision or I have this picture. The problem with a picture is it has frames around it and you can only go so far with it. You know, that's not a story. That is a focus point of, of a section of time. Um, so for your world building, broad brushstrokes, learn what, tell us what the story is, where characters are going to interact with, and that sets the tempo for, you know, particularly where you're going to be. And as we touched on before, the, the stuff that's minutia, that's for you to add into your next adventure or when you're writing things within your system. That's stuff that you can put in your Bible for later on to add more to your particular game. Right. Thread modules. Here's something that crossed my mind here. Game systems are the same. Very true. Something that just crossed my mind is world building should drive your story and your story should drive your world building. It's a symbiotic relationship. And you can lean towards designing more of one or the other, but they have to blend together and help each other or hinder each other, but create an interaction between one and the other. Thoughts on that? Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, and they are symbiotic. I mean, that's, I guess that's the part of project it as a prologue to to your novel mm -hmm. or to your role-playing game. I mean, they both kind of fit together. This is this is the, the, the template that everybody's sitting in. 
I mean, this, this is your world. So, but your your players have to know what that is, and they have to like it. I mean, think this is simple as that. Rob. So I I think maybe now that I've thought about it, actually I was writing down notes over here for Gablonia as yeah. as John or you would say something. I'm like, oh, that needs to be in the book. I need to nail that point in the intro. Um, so, um, I, I think the best worlds are worlds that I want to visit as a reader, but I don't want to live there. Um, That's a good point. I, I think those are the most interesting stories. Like, like I would love to visit Star Wars. I don't want to live in Star Wars. All right. Um, I would love to visit the world of the expanse and see all these cool spaceships and the ring gates. I don't want to live in those conditions. Visiting the world of Harry Potter even would be cool, but I don't want to live in the middle of a war between dark wizards and, and good wizards. So, so I think making your world an interesting place that supports your story where, where you would want to go and visit, but not live there. Let's go to work is not a good role-playing game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's something with Discworld I'm noticing right. that I don't know even I picked it up when I was younger. It is a crime-riddled world <laughs> where yes. crime is legalized. And you yeah. have these characters, these pinpoints of story and light who are trying to change that and almost fix that without knowing they, they don't necessarily have our society in mind or anything like that. They just know this is not quite right. And you also have, you know, things like your um, not unwilling hero, what's it called? Uh, reluctant. Reluctant hero, I guess, is, is a better phrase. But, uh, yeah, where they're just kind of tossed in and they're doing what they do in their nature. Right. But because of that, they're actually trying to make the world a better place without ever – that's not their goal, but it's what they're achieving by doing what comes natural to them, which might actually be criminal in nature and action compared to our world, but is trying to make their world a better place. And that's very endearing in that world. It's a, yeah. Okay. Well, and part of your world building helps somewhat have goals and stuff eventually for the characters and stuff. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I always say with your story, your story always should be epic, whether it's to one character. It should be world-changing, whether that's to one character's personal world or, like Marvel, the whole universe when it came down to Thanos in, in the final phases, right? Um, but even your smallest story, even if you're in a romantic comedy, it is still world-changing for that one character. It changes their world. Yep. And that's all part of world-building and interweaving those characters with the environment and everything that's happening around them. Um, okay, closing thoughts, and then we'll do the wrap-up here. And, and, well, for my thing is, don't be different, be good. Right. story don't worry about being unique something we've said before in other broadcasts a good story and a good game Robert don't let your let me rephrase that because I hate telling people what not to do um, let your story drive your world building make make sure that that 
your story is first and foremost in your mind and fill in the blanks that you feel need to be fleshed out but move on with your story to build on robert's thought there is let your story change your world also don't be afraid don't make your world have to stay exactly like it was when you started allow your characters to change that world allow your story to change that world that will mean so much more to your players your viewers your fans your readers or whoever when they saw this one person changed the world even in some small way and that's very important don't let your world building overshadow everything else okay say goodbye to everybody and i'll do the outro we'll uh, call it done Okay. Happy writing. Before we go, I want to remind everyone that you can email us at writenightshow at gmail.com. That's right with the W, night with an N, show at gmail.com. To let us know your thoughts on the show's topics, suggest other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, or just have a message read out on air to someone in your life. Thanks to everyone for supporting the show by downloading the podcast, sharing it on social media, grabbing some shirt stickers and mugs from bit.ly slash tavern merch, or barware patches and hats from bit.ly slash tavern merch too. It's bit.ly slash tavern merch or tavern merch followed by the number two thanks to everyone who joined us live at twitch.tv slash travis tavern talk and everyone who supports the tavern by subscribing posting throwing bits raids and most of all commenting thank you for joining author travis i Sivart, and the other writers content creators and all around amazing people for our discussion here on right Join us again soon, and until you do, make sure you create with passion, enjoy the journey, and remember, every night can be right now. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu.